0: Luke chapter 12, verses 49 to 59. Jesus said, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said to the crowd, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, It's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, It's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites! You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on the way, or your adversary may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny.
1: Thanks, Debbie. And as we come into that passage, it's worth asking, what kind of peace would you like to have? And would Jesus give you that peace? Or or will he take it away? Sounds like he takes peace away. If uh, you read verse 51, it says, uh, Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. Well, one of the challenges of going through the Bible bit by bit is that the preacher can't just tell you about the nice bits, he's got to tell you whatever the Bible throws up that day, and today you can sit back and watch me squirm. This is difficult, it's tricky. Except I won't squirm much because I think the whole Bible is good news, including this bit. And I want to say three things of good news from this passage. First, don't expect peace from Jesus. Actually, that is good news. Don't expect peace from others. That's good news too. And make peace with Jesus while you can. Now, let's start with the first one, which is don't expect peace from Jesus. I'm mainly looking at verses 49-51. And it seems like Jesus is saying that he doesn't come to bring peace. And we wonder... Well, so is there any good news? And it's strange that Jesus says that uh, he is not going to bring peace. Didn't Luke tell us that the angel of message to the shepherds was that there would be peace on earth in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 14. And then the Jews expected their Messiah to bring peace to throughout the Romans to settle their country in tranquility. So they and we would expect the answer to Jesus' question in verse 51, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? With a massive yes. But look, remember last week. Remember the people who didn't think he'll come back. They end up hurting people. And I give examples of cruel world leaders, but really Jesus has in mind the Pharisees, the church leaders who don't live with Jesus' return in mind. And they hurt God's people. And isn't it good news that Jesus will come and sort this? I have come to bring fire on the earth, said Jesus. You might think that's slightly strange, but the headline thing about God right through the Old Testament, the, the attribute, the character of God repeated more than most other things, was that he is righteous. That means... He is passionate about justice. And that is good news, isn't it? A lot of people want to shoot me when I say that God forgives. And they immediately turn on me and say, but what about those who kill kids in Gaza? No one wants a God who arrives on the scene of the crime and says, I want peace to the criminal. It's justice that people want. Now, there is peace. If people take his return seriously and stop now, and we'll come to verse 58. But if people don't make peace with God, I don't think he comes to bring peace. Instead, in verse 49, he brings fire. And for those who think he's pretty laid back about justice, it seems like there's no rush, he'll get round to it sometime. Think again. In verse 49, Jesus says, I wish that fire was already kindled. He's more impatient about injustice than the people who say he takes his time. And incidentally, in all this, it's worth picking up the clear way Jesus is telling us that he is God. God brings the fire of judgment in the Old Testament and Jesus says, I have come to bring fire on the earth. In verse 49. Uh, Join the dots don't read verse 49 without reading verse 50. And Jesus' willingness to die for sinners, that's what verse 50 is talking about. That's what he has come to do. So, don't get the idea that God is bloodthirsty. I try and read the Quran every day. It's a bit of a struggle because, frankly, it doesn't. Uh, Translate well from Arabic into English, so it's a hard read. But if you pick up the Qur'an, the first chapter is quite short. The second has 286 verses, and fire is mentioned in 14 of them, and punishment is threatened in many more. So 286 verses, fire mentioned 14 times. Lots of threats. Well, there are one thousand one hundred fifty-one verses in Luke. It, it was too hot to sleep one night, uh, and fire appears just nine times. Okay, got the ratio two eighty-six fourteen, one thousand one hundred fifty-one, nine. And some of that is nothing to do with judgment. If you look at chapter two, verse twenty-eight, it's about just uh, grass. Burning in a field. Um, later in Luke, uh, fire is mentioned in the context of people just standing around it for warmth. So, even in the nine, you are not talking judgment in every case. So, 1151, and you're far more likely to hear about God's love than you are about his fire. But he will bring fire in verse 49. But verse 50 explains what Jesus will do before he brings fire. He'll first die himself to save people from it. The baptism he refers to in verse 50 is his death when he'll go under God's judgment himself. So baptism goes under in order to save those people who should go under God's judgment. But he dies instead of them in their place. So it is so important that we keep verse 49 and verse 50 together. We'll only value his death if we understand the rightness and the intensity of the fire that really should be our fate. And Jesus was very, very distressed. It says in our version that uh, he was feeling constraints. It's just the word for distress. Jesus was distressed to take that uh, fire on himself. But it means because of his distress, we will never need to be distressed. And so therefore it's good news that he'll bring fire. Uh, for uh, there's who uh, deny uh, that he will and act as if he won't. But he equally can put out fire for those who recognise we deserve it and would love his safety instead. So don't expect uh, peace from Jesus uh, because uh, justice uh, is a great part of God's character which is very good news. Secondly, don't expect peace from others. I'm looking now mainly at verses 51-53. People can have peace with God. Uh, We've just seen that. But that guarantees you won't be treated peacefully by others. People will be distant from you. And that hits the closest relationships in the family in verse 52. Discipline always brings, uh, discipleship always brings division. Now you might say, Mike, at this point you've just talked me out of becoming a Christian. I won't want this sort of thing to come between me and the people I love. But let me say that Luke's written another book called Acts, and in it he talks about people becoming Christians, and their household is united with them. They get baptised together. So Jesus does unite people tightly around him, but where they oppose him, they'll also oppose his people. that's why he gives us a new family like this, to love and support us more closely than those who divide away from us. But with others, there'll be more anger than there will be peace. A new survey shows that Christians are the most persecuted people in the world. One is killed every 11 minutes. And as I wrote that down uh, on Thursday, I looked at uh, Facebook, and uh, Canon Andrew White, who's uh, an English uh, Christian leader in Baghdad, uh, put on Facebook: "No news getting out from here." But yesterday, over fifteen hundred people were killed. Uh, he's talking about something happened on Wednesday. All we can do is pray. Lord, have mercy. In England, it's easier. But however we experience division, we need to prove that division proves that Jesus is right. He said it would be like this. So there's no reason to break away from him. We only want to break away from Jesus if what he says we prove to be wrong. But in this case, he's on the button. And so when divisions come, we know that we are right to follow him and uh, to not expect peace from others when we have peace with him. And then thirdly, make peace while you can. I'm now looking at verses 54 to 59. And again, Jesus picks things that everyone does. Uh, check the weather. Interestingly, the news, whenever we see a news program, It's all about things that have happened in the past. But strange, it always ends with the next day's weather forecast. The news always ends with the future. It's like where we can't control all that turmoil and um, uh, uh, chaos that we've just been through in the past, but at least we can tell you tomorrow will be bright and sunny. But every time we do that, we show how superficial and selective we are. And our preoccupation with the weather reveals that. It's selective because we pick out the implications of the weather and we miss out the more certain warnings that Jesus gives when he was here in verse 56. How is it you don't know how to interpret this present time? How is it that we act as if the arrival of Jesus at that time didn't happen and that we're clueless about what is going to happen in the future so we're very selective we, we look at uh, tomorrow's forecast we don't see uh, the bigger picture uh, that Jesus came to bring and we're very superficial aren't we look we'll live even if we get the weather wrong we might be too hot or too cold or too wet But remember Michael Fish when he got that uh, amazing forecast wrong? I think he said it was going to be a calm night it was a hurricane instead. Well, he did get it right. And what happened? We lost uh, more trees and a few tyres off the roof perhaps. But uh, nothing that compares with the catastrophes that we'd really be uh, uh, distressed about. Yes, one or two people might have died with a a tree crashing on their car. But in the scale of things, when you compare uh, the silent uh, tragedy of Wednesday and 1,500 people dying, it was nowhere near that scale. And uh, being preoccupied with the weather is just to be selective and superficial. And that's what hypocrites do. They would get preoccupied by superficial and selective things. That's why Jesus used the word to describe them. No, much worse than the weather is when things go wrong in a relationship in verse 58. If that carries on, that's much more serious. That can lead to a real change of address, possibly a prison in verse 58. You see, real justice is comprehensive. You serve the full sentence in verse 59 when relationships break down. And that's just Jesus' way of speaking about a broken relationship with God. That's what we have. And that ought to be the last thing we want to continue. Jesus is pointing out to the fact that there's still time. Life is a walk to the courtroom in verse 58. We haven't got there yet. There's time to uh, make peace before we step into God's heavenly court. So say, sorry now. Don't let pride keep you walking on in silence. That's the point that Jesus makes. So, what's the take home uh, for us tonight? First, if you're new, well, following on from what we've just been speaking about, it's just silly, isn't it, to walk on in proud silence uh, when we've got the opportunity to uh, settle out of court, to say sorry, and to be reconciled to God. And three reasons why we should do that and take it seriously and urgently. First, there is fire. Second, there is forgiveness. Thirdly, there is future. So fix it today and let's pray together afterwards if that's what you'd like like to do. Second, if you're churchy, well, it's easy to try and duck the division that Jesus brings. And one of the ways I do that is to talk to people about our church, but I don't mention him. So I say nice things about our church, and I don't actually underline my huge debt of gratitude to him. And I think it helps me from this passage to remember the huge distress that he felt about this baptism to free me from fire to forgiveness. And if I simply meditate and think through and live in that awareness of his deep feelings of love for me, uh, that he would go through that distress. If I understand his feelings for me, it'll free me up to speak about my feelings for him, uh, rather than just my membership of the church. And thirdly, if we want to be disciples, we need to go back to our opening question, don't we? What peace do we want? Now, I'd give anything for relational peace. Being Christian creates awkwardness in my family. And tonight, God's word to me is that that distance I feel is part of the package. And I realise thinking through that Jesus brings division in verse 51. Not just that I will feel a gap from those who are closest to me, but they will then feel a gap as well. And as they feel that gap because of our trust in Jesus, And they feel that gap with us. That's just a way of helping them to feel that there is that gap also with him. And who knows, that discomfort may lead them in some way to think a a bit more. And to seek reconciliation with him on their way to his court before they get there. So let's put up with the discomfort that we have. If it's a mirror to them of the distance there is with God, because who knows in his great goodness to them, he might bring about that outcome. But let me stop there and ask uh, if anyone's got questions or comments to make. Let's uh, think those things through just a bit more in a question and answer session.